What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. April 22nd, 2019. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the daily CBS Sports NFL Podcast. Monday through Friday, in-season, off-season, pre-season, whatever season. We're here daily. Uh, and this is a great week for it too, because it's the NFL draft week. How exciting. This is sort of the, uh, not the close of the offseason, but we get to really, you know, propel ourselves forward. The next step being quasi actual football. Um, and we have a big week coming up on the podcast. Of course, uh, I'll run you through all that stuff here right now. I will point out that once again, conveniently, the numbers were way up. For a, for a, for a, uh, a thing that we did on CBS Sports that we promoted heavily on this podcast. Uh, we did the video, the live mock draft show. You can still go back and watch VODs for it. Last Thursday, myself, Ryan Wilson, a bunch of people did it. They, they told the numbers were boffo through the roof. So for anybody who listened to this podcast and took the time to go watch that show, thank you, thank you, thank you. Cannot thank you enough. Got one more thing I need you to do for us this offseason before we get going uh, in terms of video. NFL Draft is in Nashville. So are we. We're going to be doing Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports HQ, all three days in Music City, extensive draft coverage, even a few surprises coming your way. A fresh Pick 6 Podcast will be available every single morning, even on the weekend. I'm told... Uh, I guess Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Won't be skipping a day this year as we did last year during our first season. We'll be recapping picks from the night before, previewing upcoming selections. Download and subscribe now wherever you get your podcast. Now, if you love us here, you can also get me and everybody else on CBS Sports HQ. Free 24-7 streaming sports network. We're going to have an awesome time. There's a band involved. I'm going to be at a bar all weekend long. Don't tell my wife. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, doing live coverage. Jamie Eisenberg, Brian McFadden, Jason LaCanfora, Ryan Wilson, Pete Prisco, Danny Cannell, Brady Quinn, Jamie Eisenberg, all those people. Were, uh, and, and, and by the way, it's called the Doghouse Saloon. You, I, I, if you're in Nashville and you listen to this podcast, come to the bar and come hang out with us. I will personally buy you drinks or make my boss buy you drinks, whatever you will, you'll get a drink, at least a drink on me. Uh, we will be having a huge party in Nashville. There, again, there's a band there. So make sure you stop by the doghouse saloon. It's on Broadway near West end. If you're around, uh, hang out, grab a beer or two or four or six. If you're not driving, we'll be broadcasting live Thursday, Friday and all day Saturday. You can also watch. And this is the big part. If you're not going to be there, need you all to do me a favor do your buddy Will a favor. Do your buddy Brinson a favor and get the CBS Sports HQ app. Download on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, Apple TV. It's always on. It's always free. It's real sports news for real sports fans. Watch our draft coverage. Okay. So with that in mind, that was a lengthy discussion of what's happening, but it's a big week. I'm flying out Wednesday. My mother-in-law is coming. High anxiety at the house. Very excited to go to Nashville. Very excited to do this draft coverage. I think it's going to be a blast. Um, there are some draft rumors still percolating, so let's get to those. And uh, then we're going to do some team-by-team. Team. Oh, I know. One more thing. Sorry. We're, then we're going to do some team-by-team team breakdowns with me and Ryan Wilson. This is kind of exciting. Um, if you like video, if you like to see me and Ryan uh, do video, we did 
the podcast that you're going to hear in a minute after the break on video. You can watch it on YouTube. Go to CBS Sport, go to YouTube.com slash CBS Sports and all the videos will load up. Go to, uh, just go to videos and then you, you can see them on there if you want to do that. If you, if you don't want to deal with it, that, that's cool. Um, you can just listen to the podcast coming up in a few minutes. Uh, we have the six most, we picked six teams, three this, three today on Monday, three on Tuesday. Uh, then we'll do some kind of, I don't know what we're going to do for Wednesday's show yet. So we'll kind of figure it out. Easter weekend threw me off. Um, and then Thursday's show, we'll be recording me, John Breach, and Ryan Wilson, as I understand it, live from Nashville. Uh, and so the rest of the shows, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, will be live from Nashville or recorded in Nashville for your listening pleasure to break down the draft. Um, News-wise right now, but again, check out the YouTubes. They're pretty cool. They're very interesting. Um, Montez Sweat not attending the draft in Nashville. He'll, we'll be there. He won't be there amid uh, concerns of his heart condition. Basically, it's one of those things where I don't think you know, he's selling it as a, I want to be with my family, uh, but it's probably more of a I don't want to be there in case I fall further than I think I might. Remember, Maurice Hurst from Michigan had a heart issue off a lot of teams' boards last year, fell all the way to the fifth round of the Raiders. And if you're Montez Sweat, you don't want to go to Nashville and sit there till Saturday. It's just not not great for the brand. You end up being the major storyline as opposed to just being the top name available. Like he's still in Nashville. What's happening here? And they blow a big, you know, make it turn into a big deal, blow up segments about it. It's not what you want. Um, so probably a smart move by Montez Sweat. The Jets are reportedly eyeing Ed Oliver at number three if they can't trade down. Should be no secret to anybody that listens to this podcast or has heard me yelling about anything. The Jets are trying to trade down. They're desperate to trade down. Um, they would love to get down a little bit further and maybe take an offensive lineman to protect Sam Darnold. Um, if they're at three, though, the, the belief here is that they might just consider taking who they believe is the best player, Ed Oliver, or – they're trying to throw up a smoke screen. I mean, it's out in public, so who knows? I, I would, I this none of this wouldn't surprise me though. Um, you know, if you're the Jets and you don't love Josh Allen, and you have to stay at three, and Kyler Murray, actually, no, you know what? I don't, I, I don't, I don't really buy it. I, I mean, I, I understand what they're doing, but look, the reality is, you know, if you have to stay at three, you got a good pick. I mean, Quinn Williams or Ed Oliver are going to be there, so you should be happy. But I mean, I understand why this would be a smokescreen. I, I do think if they stay at three, they'll take a defensive player. And if they can trade down, they will probably take an offensive lineman, but probably just want to try and get a second-round pick uh, in return. Frank Clark still drawing interest from multiple teams. The Seahawks, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN, I believe, would like a first-round pick for Frank, Frank Clark. That gets a little dicey because you got to pay him a huge contract. Um, he, he is extremely productive was a, a great draft pick by the Seahawks who fell because of some off-field issues. Uh, he's behaved well since he got to Seattle. Um, you know, I do think that the – I don't know. If you threw Frank Clark in this class, I mean, as he is right now, I mean, he's probably going top five in this class. I get there's a bunch of good defensive linemen, but, I mean, he's getting drafted above Rashawn Gary, right? I mean, maybe you take Nick Bo- – like I'm saying, if you had to draft him and take on his new contract too, I mean, you're st- I think you're still taking Frank Clark over – Someone who might not be productive, whereas I think you would take Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams, maybe Ed Oliver. 
I don't know who else you would definitely take over Frank Clark, even if he's expensive. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know what you're getting in Frank Clark, productive player who you have to pay a lot of money. You lose the value in his rookie deal, I get it. But the risk of getting a bust, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I would, I mean, if I were, if I were a team, like, if I were the Chiefs, I'd call the Seahawks and be like, all right, here, take our first. We're not getting a better player than Frank Clark here. We'll spend the money on Frank Clark. We need defensive players. Um, that would be a no-brainer for me if I was Kansas City or any team that really needed edge rush help outside the top, I don't know, 15. Like, it gets dicey depending on what, what you, what your needs are, what your salary cap situation is, um, you know, what your evaluations of certain guys are. But Frank Clark is a very good player. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he did end up landing them a first round pick. Um, frankly, it's, uh, Carson Wentz said that, uh, the Eagles must reach the NFC title game by 2020 or the team should consider drafting a new quarterback. That's, that's honest. He, uh, he wasn't lying when he said that, I guess, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I'm not sure that helps him any. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm quite positive that doesn't do him any favors by saying it. I'm sure people appreciate him being uh, being upfront and frank about it. And then there was some Dave Gettleman stuff. He did an interview with uh, Steve Politi of the uh, New Jersey Advanced Media. And basically, it's an interesting read. He, he said, I've been to nine Super Bowls or seven Super Bowls. I think he's actually been to nine. So I'm not sure what he's talking about, including as a scout. Um, but he, you know, he's like, I, you know, he's like, Here's my track record. If you think I can't run a team, I think Dave Gettleman is singularly focused on the Giants being decent this year. And I'm kind of talking myself into them being decent despite uh, ripping them repeatedly. So that should, uh, that should end well for me. Oh yeah. And the Raiders sent home all their scouts until after the draft. But, uh, as, as written by, uh, Sean Wagner McGuff, it might not be as bad as it sounds. We know State of Jeremiah, uh, moved the sticks. DJ's a good dude. Uh, NFL Media pointed out, when I started scouting in 2003, most teams allowed scouts and coaches to see the draft board. By 2012, most teams only allowed three to four people, head coach, GM, personnel director, and college director, to have access to the board. Not that unusual for the Raiders to send everybody home. But because it's the Raiders and John Gruden and Mike Mayock, people are flipping out about it. And, um, yeah, you know, I get it. Um, that's uh, That's it for the news. So let's take a quick break. By the way, I've seen Game of Thrones as of this recording. We'll be back. We'll talk about that on Tuesday. Had the guys on Tuesday. We'll talk about that. I hope you, I, we got a lot of good feedback on the Game of Thrones recap. So I hope you like it. If you, if you don't, I'm sorry. We'll save it to the end. You can fast forward through it. It's not a big deal. Don't hate on it. People like it. It's Game of Thrones. It's the last season. Six episodes. Just relax. Uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll break down three of the six most interesting teams in this NFL draft. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let's dive on in with the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden and his little puppet GM Mike Mayock. What do you uh, What do you think about that little that little uh, that little claim there? That little outfit. First of all, I'm not on board with calling him a puppet GM. He actually um, <laughs> is certainly more, much more than that. But he did admit Mike Mayock at the uh, at the combine, I believe, that that John Gruden ultimately is pulling the trigger on these picks. And John Gruden also told him with these three first round picks. Don't mess it up, Mike. So there's clearly a lot of pressure there. Rarely is a coach telling the general manager not to mess it up. So maybe you're onto something, Brinson, there. So, right, they have three first-round picks. Uh, in the first 35 picks, they have four picks. And we talked about this uh, on the uh, last audio Pick 6 podcast. The Raiders are doing a ton of traveling. They have seven 1 p.m. games traveling from the west to the east coast. Teams that do that traditionally travel that in that direction are not very good. The Raiders already are not very good. So they got to hit on this draft in order to offset some of that, uh, assuming, of course, that John Gruden isn't already sort of coaching them in the wrong direction. All right, so let's go. They have the 4th, the 24th, and the 27th pick as it sits. And, of course, they could trade up or down uh, on draft day, but we don't know that. So with the first pick, Will, at number 4, I want to get your thoughts on this. They're taking Rashawn Gary, the defensive end out of Michigan State, 6'4", 285-ish or something. I think he ran a four, a sub-4-6 at the combine. And the issue- hold, on, hold on, hold on. So this yeah. is just – it's clear. This is your seven-round mock that we're going to look at and break down and show various picks for each team. I mean, I got to give you props first of all, Ryan. You actually put together a seven-round mock. I bet this time last year you didn't anticipate doing that. That's neither here nor there. But but you did a great job. You're killing it on the draft coverage. <laughs> I don't understand the Rashawn Gary thing because it means that assuming that Kyler Murray was drafted in the top three picks, they passed on uh, Nick Bosa, Quentin Williams, or Josh Allen. Is that right? That's right. And I can explain that if you, if you'd like, or we can just leave, leave people hanging. So here's the deal. So in my latest mock draft, a seven rounder, 256 picks, I haven't taken Kyler Murray first to the Cardinals. And by the way, that's up in the air. Uh, Prisco will certainly give you an earful on that. If he were here, he would do that, but clearly, uh, he's probably telling us made why Kyler Murray isn't going number one right now. Uh, number two, <laughs> the 49ers are taking Nick Bosa. That makes sense. Number three, Josh Allen. But here's what happens. The Raiders need an edge rusher. They got rid of Cleo Mack last year. They traded him. Then they cut Bruce Irvin in the middle of the season. John Gruden complained every week about not being able to get sacks. He couldn't understand why. So Rashawn Gary is sort of this Oakland Raiders, Al Davis-type athlete. Just insane. One of the best athletes in this draft class. He did not play well at Michigan. Didn't live up to the hype. He was the number one high school recruit coming out. But the 4-6, sub-4-5-40 that I mentioned, uh, he is insanely fast, insanely quick. And if you use him correctly, he could be a Von Miller-type off-the-edge threat play in play out but if there's a what's the saying high ceiling 
but also a very low floor. So he he's a he's sort of a risk of this pick, but I think his athleticism is such that it is it feels like a Raiders pick to me. I wouldn't take Rashawn Gary this high, but that's why I have him going number four. It is worth noting, too. Remember, they took Maurice Hurst late last year when he fell because of a heart condition. Another Michigan defensive player. He was really the best, their best draft pick in the 2000. First round draft. talent that fell to the fifth round. That's right. Yep. And, and it really pay, it paid off for him. I know PFF, give credit to Pro Football Focus, was beating the drum that Maurice Hurst should go earlier. And, uh, it worked out well for them. Now, of course, you got to remember different GM in there. Um, I do think, though, that Gruden's going to have a lot of input on this. I think you are, I think you're going in the right direction here, no matter what, though. Uh, either way, this is a, this is a team that is going to take defense with that first pick, assuming that they don't have the option to take Kyler Murray. And if you like Rashawn Gary more than you like Josh Allen, and that's fine if you do, um, you know, I wouldn't even mind Cleveland Farrell here. I think there's a lot of guys mm. with a lot of different, uh, levels. I, I think Cleveland Farrell is very good. Um, there's a lot of guys, a lot of different guys with a lot of different levels of talent and maybe production and upside ceiling and floor. Rashawn Gary didn't have the production in college, but he gives you the upside. Um, if they do, uh, go with Rashawn Gary there, how do you think that affects their next two first round picks? They have 24 and 27. Do you think John Gruden can keep it in his pants and, and keep drafting defense? Uh, let's hope so for everyone's sake who's watching the draft. Metaphorical, but, metaphorical pants. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what those metaphorical pants look like. So here's the deal. Jared Cook left in free agency. He's now in New Orleans. He's 32 years old. Had over 100 targets, led the team in targets, had 68 receptions. I think he was tied for the team lead in receptions. You, do you need to replace that productivity now that you have Antonio Brown, Terrell Williams? I don't know, but there's nothing wrong with giving Derek Carr another middle of the field threat. And that's why at 24, I have been taking Noah Fant, the, uh, the other quote unquote tight end out of Iowa. He reminds me of Evan Ingram. He ran a 4-5 and something at the Combine. He ain't going to block anybody, but who cares? You don't need him to block anyone. Just have him control the middle of the field in much the same way that Jared Cook did. And we know that Derek Carr likes to throw the ball short in that offense, and I think that fits exactly what they need at 24. He's not a defensive player, obviously, and they have a lot of offensive weapons. But in today's NFL, I feel like you can't have enough offensive weapons. And, and Noah Fant, in my mind, given what they need, the type of offense they run, again, the speed factor going back to Al Davis, I think he makes a lot of sense at 24. Yeah, I like that move. And, um, by the way, worth noting here, uh, podcast listener Alexander Ward DM me. My DMs are always open, podcast listeners. If you want to come hang, ask me questions about life, the draft, oh, your fantasy team, whatever, bring it on. Uh, beer, uh, what, whatever you want to talk about. But Alexander Ward had a question. He's overseas and he had an option to, to first tight end off the board, TJ Hawkinson, four to seven in terms of odds. That's, it's hammer that thing. That's a great deal. Or seven to four, whatever it was. It's a great deal. You're only getting back, uh, one to two, you know, you bet 20, you get 10 back. 20 pounds, you get 10 pounds back. Um, but I, I, I think that's a great play. You mentioned that, do you think there's a chance that Noah Fant could be off the board at 24 before the Raiders pick? Cause I, I think he's a great fit for what they want to do, assuming they're, they're able to get it. No, absolutely. So we've had conversations about Noah Fant going, going as high as number seven to the Jaguars. They need a tight end there for Nick Foles. They also need a right tackle. I think right tackle makes more sense immediate term. Uh, I mean, if you're not, if you have Noah Fant running around at number seven, who's blocking for Nick Foles as he gets crushed play after play? Hawkinson could go that high to number seven, which means that the Packers could take Noah Fant at 12. That makes sense there. And then also there's another team at 19, the Titans. They could certainly use a tight end. Delaney Walker had an ankle injury that kept him out most of last year. He's 35, I think, 34, 35 years old. Noah Fant makes sense there. And even at number 20, the Steelers, Brinson, they uh, have Vance McDonald. They don't have a number two tight end. Jesse James signed with the, with the Lions. Another big play threat, another guy who could replace Antonio Brown's production. 
But I think if he gets past there, 24, he's destined for Oakland and, and for all the right reasons because offensively it makes Derek Carr's life easier. And to get back to what you said earlier, if they're not in on Kyler Murray, then you have to surround Derek Carr with playmakers, and that's basically what the Raiders have done this offseason. Do you think that uh, do you think that John Gruden's going to let Mike Mayock actually make these picks, or if he's going to if he's going to be the guy? He'll let him. him make the phone call into to draft headquarters, but he won't let him have the final say. I think John Gruden will have the little red sharpie on the board checking off the name, and he goes, "Okay, Mike, you can make the call now." Uh, and then with the next two picks for the Raiders, got him uh, 27, obviously in the first round, and then with the third pick, 35th overall, of the the second round, you got him going Greedy Williams and Josh Jacobs. I like this blend. I am a little. I mean, they do need a running back, you know, and they they certainly need um, some. They need offensive help, even though they they went out and bought Tyrell Williams and they got Antonio Brown. They have Derek Carr. I, I think it's a good move to have him going away from a quarterback. Do you feel like you gave them enough defense for those first four picks? Here's the thing, and I think we've talked about this before. Those 35 picks, by the time they get to 35, they could wait on Josh Jacobs. There are a lot of good running backs in this class. Josh, Josh Jacobs is clearly the best. But they could get a good running back in the third or fourth round and use that pick to package the 27th pick if they wanted to move up. So if they're not happy with Greedy Williams, for example, or they're okay waiting on a tight end like Noah Fant, they could take the picks 27 and 35, move up, uh, into the first round and get enough. They could have four, uh, three first round picks and, and do away with the, the 35th pick if there's someone they have their eye on, like three guys. Because four guys, given how much they've done in free agency, they may not have those needs. And instead of just taking a guy to take him, and Josh Jacobs just isn't a guy, he can certainly help that team. But depending on how their draft board's set up, they could package 27 and 35 or even 24 and 35 to move up to get someone else. So they could actually end up taking something like two edge rushers or maybe a Quentin Williams and a Cleveland Farrell and a Noah Fant, depending on how it's packaged. And I think to some people, myself included, that might be more attractive than, than that seven-rounder I have going here with no trades. I actually like that move because then you would have uh, an, an extra guy under that fifth-year option and that that, right. that extra year team control as you're moving to Vegas and sort of rebuilding. And nobody thinks that the, the Raiders are set in their in their ways. Give me uh, give me one name you like in this this later group: uh, Max Sharping, Emmanuel Turner, Jalen. Uh, is it Guyton or Guten? Gaetan? Uh, Bobby Okoroki? How do we pronounce these names? <laughs> it's Bobby Okoroki out of Stanford. But the guy I love: two thirty-five, Jalen Guyton. North Texas, I'm sure you watch a lot of North Texas games. I was on HQ today with, with Chris Hassel and Dallin Cuff, and the funny thing is, we I were don't have a couple. I don't watch a whole lot of them. They're pretty good. We were showing Jalen Guyton highlights from North Texas. Hassel actually called the game. He called the actual play that we were going over, and he was blown away. So Jalen Guyton, listen, he played at North Texas clearly. 6'2", about 200 pounds, blew up his pro day, ran a 4'3 and change. He's a former Notre Dame wide receiver, left there, went to North Texas. But before that, Brinson, who do you think he played – who was who was his high school quarterback? Uh, he went to where? Did, where is he? Where is he from in high school? Where did he go? He's to from high the school? state of Texas. Uh, I will say that his high school quarterback was God. I don't know. Colt McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> Kyler Murray. Oh, there you go, Kyler Murray. That so makes a he, lot more than Colt he's, McCoy. He's a playmaker. He could. He he clearly has the D one pedigree. Ended up in North Texas, dominated there. That's a guy to watch. All right. Do you feel good? Very quickly, give me your grade if this is a Raiders draft and you're writing a grade at the end of it. How do you how do you grade yourself drafting for Mike Mayock and John Gruden? This is a B minus draft, maybe even a C plus. <laughs> Rashawn Gary's a stretch. Well, here's the issue: I can't trade in these drafts. There are 254 picks, so I'm trying to get into the mind of John Gruden. Uh, not so much Mike Mayock because I don't think he would do this. But speed clearly is something that that is traditionally a Raiders thing. 
Um, the, the sort of trade scenario that I worked at, I like that a much better. Quentin Williams, Cleveland Farrell, and Noah Fant. I love that. But the way it's set wow. up here, I don't love Bobby Okariki later. He, he's an athlete again. He, he, he didn't have great tape, uh, in every game. Greedy Williams doesn't tackle anyone. Huge athlete again. So B minus C plus. All right. I like it. Let's move to the New York football giants. Dave Gettleman is taking over the city of New York with his big pants and his hog mollies. And if you read something he said, I'm currently writing an article about how the Giants are, uh, what they might do, their various plans and potential plans that they could pull off. Um, actually, I actually already wrote it by the time you're hearing this. It was up on Friday, but go check it out on CBSSports.com. I think this is an interesting quote from Dave Gettleman, Ryan. He said, I'm always going to keep working on those lines, on those groups. You cannot have enough hog mollies. You can't because people get hurt. You can't have enough. Um, and he talked about how he drafted a defensive tackle in the first round, in the second round, and people called him crazy when he was with the Panthers, and he doesn't care. And I think that we might see this reflected in how the Giants approach the draft. And, uh, in fact, to a certain extent, you did have that happen. Do you think that, without diving yet into the specifics of this draft, do you think that the Giants will go uh, multiple hog molly, whether it's offensive line or defensive line, with those first two picks, number 6 and 17, once the draft gets here? It's actually sort of bad that Jared Lorenzo isn't coming out this year because he would feel two knees, <laughs> two knees for the Giants. But I think you're right. I think, uh, offensive defensive line is where they're going to be focused. It's hard to tell whether they're telling the truth about the quarterbacks and Dwayne Haskins in particular. We know they love Daniel Jones, so we'll see. But, but I think don't be surprised if they focus on, on protecting Eli Manning and getting better on the defensive line in the first round, even though they have glaring needs at replacing Eli Manning. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is uh, people need to understand this. And I've, I've said this on this podcast uh, for roughly five years now, or at least I've said it at various places and platforms in written print, video, whatever it is. Dave Gettleman, when it comes to discussing his draft plans while he's GM, doesn't lie. He tells you what he's going to do, and but people people treat it as oh well, it's subterfuge from the GM. It's lying. He's he's trying to mislead us. He doesn't really think Saquon Barkley is a transcendental, you know, transcendent transcendent player. Transcendental player? Transcendent. Um, he, yeah, thank you. Um, I've got a funny story about transcendentalism I'll tell you one time off air. It involves my brother-in-law and a very stupid thing he did. Um, the Hatchet, the book. Anyway, um, the, uh, the thing with Dave Gettleman is he tells you what he's going to do. And I think he's made it clear that he wants to get in the meat and potatoes of this draft and to get some offensive line and defensive line help. And you've got him doing just that. You have him taking Jawan Taylor at number six and then going Cleveland Farrell at number 17. I think when you look at Jawan Taylor, and uh, he's a perfect fit for the Giants and, and not just in terms of um, what he can do from a skill set, but also from where he fits personnel-wise in terms of need. He played right tackle at Florida. Uh, you see him, he's got raw brute strength. You could see Dave Gettleman falling in love with him. And, you know, you could plug him in on that offensive line and, and he could start from day one, right? So Pete Prisco and, and Jamie Eisenberg were with us at the combine. They flew up from Florida. Um, Juwan Taylor was on their flight. He took right. up the entire back row of the airplane. That's how thick he is. He's about 320-ish, I think, maybe a little less when he showed up at the Combine. But he is a very angry person when he plays football. He destroys people in the run game. He's really good in pass protection. They need someone at right tackle. We saw the beating that Eli Manning took uh, last year. They signed Nate Solder last year to a huge deal to play left tackle. He needs to play better as well. They traded for Kevin Zeitler. 
uh, for, from the Browns. He bolsters the interior along with Hernandez. So there's a lot of reasons for optimism if they get Juwan Taylor. I'm still not happy about the quarterback situation, but as you point out, Dave Gettleman seems perfectly fine with it. 38-year-old Eli Manning going to roll with him. But, but I think Juwan Taylor, if you're not taking a quarterback, he makes a ton of sense. He's a top-10 pick, and I think at number six, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I wouldn't be surprised either if they went with Rashawn Gary. Um, but I think the fact – what I like is if you're Dave Gettleman, I think if you're going to go offensive line, defensive line – and you have 6 and 17, you need to go offensive line first because the depth of defensive line will let you get somebody like Cleveland Farrell at 17, right? No, that's right. Um, so they've been linked. Interesting. They have interest in, quote-unquote, Ed Oliver, interior defensive lineman, and Montez Sweat. Ed Oliver makes sense at 6 uh, on some on some levels. He's that type of talent. Montez Sweat might be a little rich at number 6. But, again, it, it depends on, on what the, the Giants think. I think if um, Kyler Murray is there at 6 – I don't know why you wouldn't take him. They won't take him. And I said even before the Odell Beckham trade, what to you is more enticing as a fan and as someone who's going to predict who's scoring the most points? Eli plus Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, or, or Kyler Murray? I mean, it's, it's a layup, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I just think when you're, if you're, look, if you're the Giants, if you're a Giants fan, you have to understand that there is a doomsday situation out there. And that's, this is why I think you should almost embrace the hog molly situation. They could go, he could go Daniel Jones at six. Like we've seen the possibility of him taking, like I know Daniel Jeremiah of NFL media mocked it. Um, I haven't seen it a bunch out there, but I don't think it's off the table because the idea Crazy. being is your quarterback, you got to take him at six, right? And if he goes Daniel Jones, if, imagine this thing being in Radio City Music Hall. In New York, with Giants fans flooding it, looking for their two first-round picks, and them taking Daniel Jones six overall. It's almost a shame that's not a possibility. It would be like the White Walkers overrunning the wall type situation <laughs> if right. that happened. It would be a it would be a total disaster. Uh, can this defense be good um, without hitting a multiple picks? I know you got. I like Rock Yasin. He's a potential first-round pick if they get him at thirty-seven and then come away with Miles Boykin. At 95, which you have going in your, in your, in your, in your seven round mock, that's a pretty nice haul for the Giants in their first four picks, right? That's right. So Cleveland Farrell obviously replaces Olivier Vernon, Rock Yassin out of Temple. He transferred from Presbyterian, a much smaller school, and he balled out from start to finish. Really physical, big, strong corner, ran pretty fast at the combine. Miles Boykin ran, I think, a 4-3 and change. He's like 6-2. He's jacked up he's raw so you you're not going to have the production right away from miles boykin but he has a high ceiling as we like to say and then finally skipping two two picks ahead tristan hill is a stud by the way out of ucf but jared stidham quarterback out of auburn not great season last year by any stretch had a very good junior season but here's the deal his offensive line was terrible he struggled with uh, receivers dropping the passes he's really athletic i actually like him a lot he's Probably my number six quarterback on the board after your guy Ryan Finley at number five. So I think that's a guy you could groom, but he's not a guy that's going to be able to start right away. And if he struggled with protection issues at Auburn, God help him with the Giants if they don't get get offensive line help like uh, like I mentioned with someone like Jawan Taylor. Um, do you want me to tell you my sleeper guy now in this draft class, or do you want me to wait as it return, pertains to the Giants? No, because I'll tell you who it is. It's Joe okay. Giles Harris. Joe Giles Harris? Is it Joe Giles or Joe Giles? Uh, it's, that, the, it's the Joe Giles band, Jake Giles band. band. Yeah, Joe Giles Harris. What do you got about him? I he's a stud. I think he's a stud. I think. I mean, I I think you can move. I think he's a fast moving linebacker who um it, it can be an impact player. Not I don't know about day one, but I think in a modern defense, especially what James Betcher's running, you can plug him in there and he can make an impact pretty easily. Who's your sleeper? 
I don't love Joe Giles Harris just so we can be on the record when uh, when he blows up and you can take full credit for it. But I will. Yeah, you will. Jimmy Moreland, cornerback out of James Madison, five nine, one eighty five, ran a four five or something and change. But here's the thing: he has the quickest feet in the draft. There's not a lot of tape on him to watch out, so you have to sort of dig to find it. He is a ball hawk. The issue is he's five nine. But he, I mean, if he were six feet, maybe even five ten and a half. He might be a first-round pick. He is really, really good. I have him going sixth round. He may go earlier than that. He'll be a day three guy, I feel like. If he goes in the fourth round, it wouldn't surprise me. Just the size wow. is the issue. He may have to kick inside. And But, I mean, guys can have a lot of success playing nickel cornerback in, the, in this NFL. No doubt about it. What would you give your – what would your grade be for the New York Giants if they drafted what you took in this class? This is, is an that- A-minus class for me. And if you're fine with not taking a quarterback – at six or seventeen, or even at thirty, what is it? They're they're thirty seven. They're their first second round pick. This is this is a B plus A minus class for me because they do address those needs. These guys can play right away, and it makes your football team better, which isn't hard to do when when you're a Giants team that was truly and utterly terrible last year. But I'll say too, like if you take the fact that Dave Gettleman drafted Saquon Barkley over Sam Darnold out of the equation, like the running back quarterback factor, he had a really good draft last year. Like it was a good That's like a big. BJ I mean, that was the second factor. overall pick. What's that? That was the second overall pick. That's a big. Don't worry about this thing. Right, but it's not like he drafted Kajana Carter. I mean, Saquon Barkley was awesome. He was the offensive rookie of the year. B.J. Hill was an impact player. Will Hernandez is a very good player. I think he had a good draft pick, but we I mean, look. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm killing. I'm here. I'm here with the killing the Giants. I'm just saying that you know you can make a case yeah. that they, they had a good draft. And I, I think Dave Gettleman. Look, let's give him a little bit of credit while we're here. Uh, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. Speaking of Dave Gettleman teams, America's hottest team, the Cleveland Browns. They do not have a first-round pick because they traded their first-round pick, number 17, to the Giants for Odell Beckham, heist of the century. Although some people have tried to argue that it's not a terrible deal for the Giants. I think you can make a claim they got some reasonable compensation back, 17th overall, 95th overall. They're going to get two picks in this draft. We'll see who they get from it. And, of course, Jabril Peppers, who... Sort of cheating, but they called him a, a second, second, a second first round pick. Like we had to get two ones back for Odell, and we did it. That was a bad Dave Gettleman accent, but neither here nor there. How do you think uh, John Dorsey's going to approach this draft, Ryan? Do you think he will be aggressive, or do you think he will sit back at number forty nine overall and sort of let the draft come to him, or is he going to maybe make a trade and try to move up? I don't think there's any rush to be aggressive. I mean that that roster is stacked. They have some needs on defense interior, the linebacker, safety, and cornerback. And those guys can fall to to the Browns without much effort on their part, I feel like. I mean, their first pick is at 49, and then they pick again in round three at pick 80. And you can get guys there that will help your football team immediately. I don't feel like there's any any, any need to, to rush. You have Odell Beckham. You got Baker Mayfield. The offensive line is coming together. You might need uh, You might need one player there, and you can get that in the draft as well. And then you can add uh, this cornerback class is relatively deep. The safety class is really deep. And you can find guys to play uh, on the defensive line and, and then um, at, at linebacker on day three that can help you help you win football games. What do you think the Browns' biggest need is in this draft? Secondaries up there. I mean, how sold are you on on the, the left tackle situation? Uh, they're not, not going to not sold at all. Remotely yeah. sold on the offensive line. So. Then it's an issue, and they could have taken someone at seventeen. Now they'll have to to wait until until the uh, the round two pick, and they could get someone there. Uh, but 
I don't know. We'll see how they feel about it. But, I mean, left tackle is an issue in your mind, and it's certainly something to keep an eye on if Baker Mayfield takes a beating early in the season. But then the secondary, you can add some players there. And to, to pair with Denzel Ward, and um, that's something to, to watch out for in a division where they're already the favorites, which is insane to say. But also yeah. when you're going up against Big Ben and, to a lesser degree, Lamar Jackson in his legs. Yeah, and you've got them doing just that in your seven-round mock. Again, it's on CBSSports.com. It's been up there for like a week. Check it out. Um, yeah, take into Ryan's seven-round mock, why don't you? Uh, but you've got them taking DeAndre <laughs> Baker at the 49th overall. That's a really nice pick. I think, you know, if you're going to have a draft, and I know John Dorsey doesn't want to give away a first-round pick or even a third-round pick, and you see they only have two in the top 80. Um, this is a good draft, though to be a little bit further back and to still have some needs and be able to fill them, right? I mean, DeAndre Baker's a guy that's been bandied about as a first-round pick, the cornerback out of Georgia. Where does he rank amongst, like, um, Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams, Rocky Sin for you? How does he compare to those guys for you? Here's the issue. He, he's 5'11", 190, but he didn't run great at the Combine. And on his, on film, he is outstanding i've talked to scouts that that are blown away with what he was able to do given his size he's not the biggest guy he played in the sec and he has such good film against all those really really good sec receivers but the issues are the the physicality and the athleticism will that translate immediately to the nfl i think it will i think he's a bottom of the first round guy but other teams uh nfl teams may feel differently if he falls to 49 and he could be there i mean i think he makes some sense there and then uh, another SEC defensive back, Deontay Thompson, is available in the third round. I don't know if this is going to happen. I've I've talked to some scouts who like him, but they they'll admit that the end of his his um his season last year for Alabama wasn't great. But Alabama, a couple of those guys on defense didn't play great down the stretch. But he's tall. He's like six one. He's about one eighty five. The weight is concerned. He's not going to be an in the box safety. He's more of a center fielder. He didn't run during the pre draft process. He had a wrist injury that somehow kept him from running at the combine. I guess he was going to run in his hands, but he didn't run in his pro day either. So we don't know how fast he is. So that's a, also a question. But again, really good player, a lot of good tape, just uh, sort of stumbled down the stretch for Alabama last year. Is he a uh, box safety? No, he's about 185, 6'1", and that's what scouts are concerned about. He can't come down and, and lay the wood. I'm like a box safety. You're the box That's right. You draft you first, and then you take Deontay Thompson, and then your secondary set for at least three weeks. I, I can get in the box, just can't get out of it. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, what do you, let's look at their seven round mock again and just, uh, check out who you have them taking on the back side. You see Deontay Thompson there at 80 and then Bobby Evans, Chris Slayton, Demarcus Large. Lodge? Demarcus Large? Demarcus Lodge. <laughs> That's his name. How many freaking, how did Mississippi not win more games? They have 92 wide receivers in this draft. Who was their quarterback again? He's terrible, wasn't he? Jor- Jordan Tommy was their quarterback. He wasn't bad. The issue was their offense was so simplistic. Uh, Dawson Knox, their tight end, who's probably going to be maybe a third-round pick, definitely a, a fourth-round pick, actually was sort of complaining very politely that he was misusing that offense, and he's right. I think he had 15 receptions last year, and he, that dude's an athlete. He should be getting the ball more. But that's a fair point that you're making, and, and a lot of other people have made as well. Well, people trying to make it about NC State, so I'm trying to push it toward, I'm trying to push that little narrative onto another school, like uh, like an old Miss. Um, I, I like this. I like this haul for the Browns. How would you? Uh, who's a sleeper on the back end here that we, that we need to be looking at that Cleveland might have might have pulled in? So, if you're concerned about Greg Robinson, the left tackle, Bobby Evans can help out there. He obviously blocked for Kyler Murray, so he he's uh, adds depth of nothing else. The guy I like a lot at 189, Steven Denmark out of Valdosta State. I was watching him the other day. Six feet tall. He ran some crazy time in the combine. 
Um, maybe just pro day. I don't think he was at the combine. Four four range, about two hundred pounds. But that's Division two Valdosta State. And when you watch him, uh, watch his games, he looks like Jadavian Clowney playing cornerback against these smallish Division two wide receivers. And he his here's his go to move. He jams them at the line of scrimmage, and not only does he jam them, he jams them all the way out of bounds and out of the play. So that works in Division Two. I don't know if it's going to work in the NFL, but he's an athletic specimen. Teams are interested in him, so we'll see. He'll be a, a late day three, maybe a, a priority free agent guy. But again, athleticism rules toward a you know sixth, seventh round, and then in free agency. All right, we saw the Browns' schedule revealed. Let's say they get this draft class together, they slap them in with the current players they have. Over under eight and a half wins for the Browns. That's a good. That's a good call. I, I think we went through the schedule uh, on the audio podcast yesterday, and their first six I games last week. Remember last week? Last week, sorry. And we guessed their. <laughs> uh, it's it's a time vortex here in Fort Lauderdale. We guessed that their first six games before the bye, three and three, maybe best case two and four could actually happen. So I think I'm taking the under an eight and a half, even with these players who would certainly make them a better football team. But I, I'm more concerned about the pressure, how they deal with all that. Uh, as now that they're considered one of the best teams in the AFC. I mean, I think there's a chance that they're sitting at like two and five uh, mm-hmm. after they play in Denver on November 3rd and everybody's really freaking out. Um, you know, you just look at what they had, the Titans at home. I think the Browns are a five-point favorite. That's stunning to me. I would take the Titans right now if you can find that uh, in your mm-hmm. legal sports book. Uh, I think Tennessee's a, I think Tennessee's a good team that can hang, hang with the Browns, especially in week one with the new coach and all that. Then they're at the Jets on Monday night. That's a tough matchup. They get the Rams at home, at the Ravens, at the 49ers, Seahawks at home. That's a really, really tough schedule for a team with a new coach. You're talking about going up against, uh, veteran smart coaches. I mean, you got Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh. Um, you know, not really worried about Adam Gase and Mike Vrabel as much, but I mean, those are two tougher games. And if you don't win early, the at the Patriots, at the Broncos, two very difficult road games, tough environments to play in, are waiting for you after the bye. I think we could see them go on sort of a, a winning streak down the stretch, but you, just, you still haven't played the Steelers and all that, uh, and you got one more game against the Ravens. So while I get I get what people are doing, giving the Browns 11 wins um, on certain TV shows and all that, I think I would hedge more towards 8-8 eight and eight or even 7-9, and nine and, uh, and, a, and sort of a disappointing season for the Browns. Not disappointing is the fact that we got three more teams to break down. We got to keep doing this. We're going to do it on tomorrow's show. If you're watching on YouTube, you can, it'll probably hopefully roll you into the next video. Um, or you know, if you're CBS Sports HQ, you can just do the on demand thing, but we will, uh, we will take a quick break and then we'll come back tomorrow and we will break down the rest of the teams.